In today's episode, I talk with big wave surfer Toby Cunningham. Toby is a big wave surfer and rescue driver at Nazare. Originally from California, but is now resident in Nazare, Portugal, with a house overlooking the biggest waves in the world. He is an XXL Paddle Award winner and was recently featured in the new Netflix movie Magnetic. We talk about a book he is currently writing about survival in heavy water. You may have seen his video on YouTube where he takes five or six absolutely massive waves on the head and we talk about the, the techniques and skills required to survive such an ordeal. I asked him if he's a pro surfer, which might seem like a strange question. However, he replies, no, I'm not a pro surfer. And we talk about his route to doing the same things as pro surfers do without relying on income from the surfing industry. An interesting conversation and a way perhaps other pro surfers should be thinking of developing their career. Anyway, let's get into it. Enjoy my interview with Toby Cunningham. Toby Cunningham, welcome to the Big Wave Surfing Podcast. How are things in Nazare today? Yeah, things are great. Yeah, it's a nice cloudy day. <laughs> yeah. It's actually well, kind of cool. It's actually really nice. Uh, European weather. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's nice. It's fine. It's great. So, yeah. Clean air. So, uh, uh, you're looking out the window. How are the waves? The waves are double overhead, so a bit small, but oh, still too small today. Then, yeah, <laughs> only, only only double overhead. Yeah, yeah. We're, we are. Uh, I'm just waiting for a good swell to come in. I'm like dying here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we won't. We won't go in today. We'll just have a beer and watch it, shall we? Sure. <laughs> yeah. <whatever. laughs> okay. So, I mean, you're you're living in in Nazare in Portugal, and I want to come back to that in a minute, but. If I may, let me take you back uh, for the audience to learn a little bit about your roots and where you came from. Um, California, I believe, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I came from uh, San Diego, California, and um, pretty much started surfing when I was eight. Uh, yeah, just, I, I actually, I don't know, I forgot if whether it was bodyboarding or surfing, but either or. I got on a surfboard, you know, around eight to ten, and um yeah, I remember buying my surf first surfboard and they're like, yeah, you don't need wax yet. I'm like, okay. So I, I was like, I just kept slipping off my board. I'm like, what? And then I asked one of the surfers around me. I'm like, yeah, I, I'm having a hard time getting up on my board. What's the trick? He just looks at my board. And he's like, you don't have any wax. I'm like, uh, that, so that you think that'll help? He's like, yeah, why don't you go back and get some wax? And then it kind of changed my game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. Well, it does help, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of how I started. Um, and then, uh, I gradually, you know, started surfing bigger waves and, um, so what beaches were you surfing living in San Diego area? What, well, what were the I, beaches? I grew up in, uh, um, a little, it's like an Island. It's called Coronado. Um, and so it's a really small place. You have to take a car to go over the bridge. So I was pretty much stuck, you know, riding a tiny little closeout, um, that's pretty much what the, it, it's like the most perfect closeout you've ever seen because it's this huge stretch of beach and it's amazing to watch one wave really just ex explode the whole, I mean, miles or kilometers each way, just the same wave, just exploding at the same time. So you're just going straight and occasionally you'll get like a shoulder and that's what I would, you know, search out for a little tiny shoulder to ride 
So that's yeah, that's it. That's where I started, and and until I got a car, which was around sixteen, um, I was able to drive over the bridge and then actually surf different waves. Whereas before, I I just couldn't surf anything. You know, mm. that was good. I was watching some of your videos, and I know you went, you used to go on strike missions down to um, Todos Santos and uh, places like that. Um, there's some pretty good waves down there, yeah. I actually I had Gary Linden on the show a few weeks ago, and of course he's a big Todos guy, yeah. Yeah, telling me a lot about it. Um, so did you guys ever surf together or? Yeah, we. Um, I actually won the Double XL Billabong Double XL Award, and oh, that, that was at Todos. Yeah, that was in Todos uh-huh. in 2003, yeah. and actually Gary had caught because he was 52 years old. Then he caught a 52 foot wave at that time. That same day, I caught a 56 foot wave. So it was it was like I we were the runner up. You know, it was between me and Gary Linden at Totos, um, and I had actually beat him by four feet. But then there, you know, because I didn't actually make my whole wave, which I was surprised that they gave the award to me and Gary made his wave. So. I don't know, but uh, yeah, we we surf together, and um, he rides these huge balsa wood boards out there, which is pretty cool, you know. Uh, the the agave agave boards is oh agave, agave. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 pretty awesome. He's a great shape. Yeah, yeah, he is, and he's such a lovely guy as well. You know, a gentleman, and uh, got some great stories if you li- listen to the podcast. Yeah, yeah, he's got, he's got 101 stories. You know, so that's yeah, awesome. Uh, yeah, a lot of them about Todos. So who were the uh, – in your generation then, who were the crew? Who who are the people I might know who are more well-known in from your generation? Oh, you know surfing what? Surfing that I'm area? Like a, I'm not a surfing historian. Like, I just – it never really interested in me. I mean, I've seen a couple people like Brock Little, I think, and Mark Fu. And those were the first people I saw uh, that, that made me kind of want to get out there. And those guys were – surfing Toto Santos way before I was. And um, I, th- I remember, I think it was a cover shot of Mark Fu on Surfer Magazine, him pulling into a barrel, a giant barrel. It's like the biggest barrel I'd ever seen. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. I, I want to try that someday. And I had it on my wall. I just look at it occasionally. Yeah, that was kind of my inspiration. I was going to say, was that the, the inspiration for you to get into big, big waves? How did you sort of get into big waves? You no, know, I think being at my hometown, I'd, I'd always wanted bigger waves. Like no matter how big it got, I always wanted bigger. I guess I, I'm one of those surf snobs, you know, just like I, I'll totally admit it. Like I just get bored surfing, you know, head high and, and waves. It doesn't, doesn't interest me at all. Um, I really like being kind of like having an adrenaline rush when I'm surfing. Um, now when it barrels, that's a different story because it gets a little heavier, but still it's like, it's only so heavy you can get on a head high wave. Um, so when I went over, I call it when I went overseas the first time, which is when I drove over the bridge (laughs) and uh, I was able to get like blacks and stuff. And then that was like some of the bigger surf I've ever surfed. Um, but the story is the, the, the thing that kind of changed my life a little bit was I went on a church surf group trip down to Baja uh, with, the, with, with the school. It was just the church had put it on some church over there. And um, I remember looking at the surf facts 
by, I think it was like Surfline or something. And they were claiming, you know, it was going to be 15 foot plus, 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 which means I remember that, that surf report, um, which means it's going to be huge. And so I had a seven, two, um, that I had bought and, um, you know, I'm on the bus ride down South to Mexico on this, on this camping trip. And, uh, everybody's kind of making fun of me cause I got this huge board and, and uh, everybody's got their short boards and it looks like I have a long board pretty much compared to everybody else's like five foot six board or whatever. And then, you know, we're going down South and we see just huge waves on the way down. And I'm like, Oh wow, this is great. This, this is, this is amazing. And so when we got to the beach, that was the biggest surf I'd ever seen at that point. Um, and I'm like, I couldn't get my wetsuit on fast enough to get out there. I was so excited. Um, and everybody else didn't want to go surfing. It was huge. Mm. And so I, it took me about 45 minutes. I remember that. And I looked in, I see about 50 people on the beach just watching me. And I'm like, well, geez, <laughs> pressure's on now, you know, <laughs> the whole school's watching me. And uh, yeah, I, I ended up, I uh, remember seeing a huge set paddle over the first two, I think. And it was the third one I caught. And um, I dropped in and then it just barreled right in front of me. <laughs> Pulled right in, came out. And the whole beach just went crazy. I, I actually went in after that because I'm like, there's no way I'm making it back out. You know, I'm just going straight in. Um, and that was it. I was like, I want bigger. You know, I wanted bigger waves. So ever so since. you were the school then, hero then? The, uh, at that time, all, yeah. All the girls were falling at your feet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was fun. Um, <laughs> but it, then. Uh, it just sounds like the dream dream scenario, Yeah, it was kind of like the Napoleon Dynamite moment for my life, you know, just yeah. uh, this, you know, class geek, you know, going out on giant surf when everybody else is too scared. And I'm like, maybe there's something to this. Um, mm-hmm. And then ever since then, I'm like, all right, I want bigger, 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 bigger. And then my friends eventually invited me out to Todos, which is an island off of Mexico, um, about 15 kilometers off, off the shore. And, um, yeah, I, I, it, that was in college. Um, and so I was asking my friends like on the way down to t- surf Todos, it was supposed to be, you know, 40 to 40 foot or 50 foot or whatever. And, um, I'm just asking him, Hey, what happens if I wipe out, you know, what's going on? I had this, this broken nine, two with a chipped fin. So, um, I remember, taking off of my first one or my friends are like, we got out there and my friends are like, Hey, you need to just sit out here and wait. And just when you feel comfortable, you know, then go for a wave, but don't just go for one. Um, <laughs> so I'm like the first guy out. I just paddle out. I'm like, okay. So I sit right over here and music. they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I sat and then the first set that came in, I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's the biggest wave I've ever seen. I gotta go. Mm-hmm. And so I went and then, um, it was funny cause I was bottom turning on the wave and I just, felt or I, because it had a chip in the fin it was making this whistling noise and it was stalling me which is kind of funny but i had never gotten gone so fast on a surfboard before and uh that kind of hooked me that was like oh my gosh this is it this is this is what i need to be doing yeah it's funny because i hear a lot of big wave surfers saying the same as you i wanted to, i always wanted to go bigger to go bigger what it's a certain mindset that you you guys and girls have isn't it that you most of us don't want to go bigger and bigger like what is it is it is there anything in common with you guys or 
Um, I think it's, you know, it's kind of like this. Like, I think you're born with it. And and the reason why I say this is because, I mean, if I tried to surf every day for the next, if I could live forever and I surf for a million years every day, perfect waves, I'd still never be as good as Kelly Slater. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's yeah. just, you're, you're either born with it or you're not, you know, he's a freak of nature. Whereas, mm. but he's just created that way. So we're all created differently. You know, I'm, I have a different mindset. My brain works differently than others. And, um, you know, for some reason, I just am drawn to different things. Some people drawn to mountain climbing and free soloing El Capitan with no ropes whatsoever. I think that's absolutely crazy. I'm f- afraid of heights. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's just like some people really like math. I, 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 you know, some people like science or whatever. So you, you think it just, it's something you're born. These, you guys are just born with that, that you, you, you don't have the same fears. You, of course you have fear, but you just, you just want it. And it's not comes naturally to, I mean, yeah. I mean, also you, though you, those early days when you were young, you probably hadn't had any big wave special training or anything had you but you were getting you were going out in super big waves even if it was double overhead whatever without any real training but you you survived <laughs> yeah yeah you know i mean it's it's all about i mean it's, people are like i mean i guess we can get into training a little bit but mm. i mean people are like yeah you know you got to get on your breath hold trainings and you got to really practice and <clears throat> and do all that stuff and but in reality, I mean, I've had some of the worst wipeouts anybody's ever had out here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, I don't really do a lot of breath training. I, I mean, I am really good cardio, but it's, it's all a mindset. Like, if you can calm yourself down, um, you, can, you can survive a huge wipeout without a lot of training. I mean, look at... There's some people here, I'm not going to mention their names, but are completely out of shape, just totally way out of shape, smoke cigarettes before they're going out and can handle a wipeout like the, you know, a free diver can't handle. So it's all about the mindset. Yeah. Interesting point. Um, and we are going to go into d- more depth about that a little sure, bit sure. later. So, so let's save it. So, let, okay, let me bring you back to Nazare. You... You're now living there. Um, yeah. How long have you been there? How did you end up deciding to live there and why? Um, I, I saw, I think it was a YouTube video of, I think, Garrett. Um, and it, it was just like this perfect beach break that he was surfing. And I'm like, wow, I, I've got to go there because it reminded me of my home break called Black's unlike the most perfect day you've ever seen at Black's. But it looked like this is, you know, 10 times as big. And I'm like, oh, wow, I have to, I have to check it out. So, um, you know, I had planned for about a year to go ahead and do this. And um, yeah, so I, I bought the ticket and then headed out. And um, yeah, I, I pretty much, I didn't know how big it was going to actually be and or how dangerous it was because this is before, it made, you know, global news or whatever. Nobody really heard of Nazare when I first came here. Um, uh, so I didn't really know how dangerous it was. There was no hype around it. No, you know, you had Maya that had almost died, but that's about it. You know, no, you know, the, the story was pretty, like, like, you didn't really know what Maya and Garrett. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and Hugo and, and Andrew Cotton, just 
couple of the, you know, the original guys. And um, so, yeah, that was pretty much what I, what I knew about it. So I came here for about three months, the first trip. And, um, you know, I almost drowned the second time I tried to surf this wave. And that's when I knew that, wow, this wave is totally different. Um, I realized that this is probably the heaviest wave I've ever surfed. Um, the first time I tried to surf, I didn't go out, get out there. Second time I did, wasn't able to get out. I almost got smashed into the rocks. Um, had to pull my inflation vest to get in uh, because it was sucking me towards the rocks on about a 30, 40 foot day or whatever. And um, yeah, I literally thought I was going to die. <laughs> it was relentless. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you, you were there in in the pioneering days, then in the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. So it's been great. It's been about six years now. Uh, and you and you you've actually just said you live there now. Did you buy or, or rent or? Yeah, we just bought a a house. Um, uh, what was it about last year? So yeah, yeah, it was great. So we spent six months out of the year here. Um, after that, we, uh, we traveled to like Indonesia, Tahiti or South Africa or somewhere, some other spot just because the only reason we're here now is because of the government shutdowns. Right. So, yeah. yeah that's so, all. so, I mean, I, I hope to get out. I mean, I've been to Portugal, but I hope not actually Nazare, but I've, since I've been doing the podcast, I've now been invited many times by my guests to come out. So that's I hope to get, hope to get there soon. Yeah. But yeah. Just, it looks so beautiful, yeah. As a you know, a typical little um, Portuguese fishing village, and I know it does have a lot of um, history and tragic history as well. So, so you're actually uh, living in Nazaré, as we said, um, and I, I'm intrigued by the village. It seems such a beautiful, a beautiful little uh, fishing village, and I know it's got a lot of history and uh, a lot of tragic history as well. Can you talk to me a little bit about? about the history of the village and what it's like actually living in the village? Oh boy. I don't really know a whole lot of the history behind the village. Um, but I do know that, uh, this is the fort here is where, um, the Portuguese were trying to fend off the Spanish. And, um, yeah, a lot of people had died there, which is kind of crazy. And, um, I guess the story is, I think it's, um, the, the wives of the, of uh, either the soldiers or the fishermen um, would kind of lure the enemies to the cliff and then push them off. (laughs) So pretty crazy. Um, But you also see like a lot of women wearing uh, the black skirts. Um, So they have like seven skirts on, they're called the seven skirts. And um, what happened, they wear this, as like mourning for their husband, because a lot of people before the Harbor was built, a lot of people died fishing on the boats. Um, cause they, they were lo- literally launching their, their boats from the, uh, from the beach on the South yeah. beach, um, which is yeah. crazy. It's actually crazier. The shore break on the South side of the peninsula is crazier than the shore break on the North side where we surf. Um, it's just a short break. It's crazy. So they were launching their boats and, you know, um, a lot of the times what I hear is when they leave, um, because the swells come in so fast here that when they leave, it could be flat, but when they come back with all the fish, the swell has already arrived many times this has happened and you know, how else are they going to get in? You know, so they try to beach the ski and they flip and they drown and get crushed by their huge boats. 
Yeah, yeah, I heard some stories like that. It was, uh, yeah, pretty uh, tragic. But it, it, um, it's got a lot of history. Beautiful place. Has, has it got a lot of like nice, uh, nice little bars and restaurants tucked around? Oh like, yeah, it, yeah, t- tons of restaurants. Um, yeah, it's it's a great place. It's it's actually a really nice village. Um, there's a lot to do. They have everything you pretty much want, unless you're like a party animal. Then that's this isn't the place for you. But I'm not a party animal, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. And I think they always seem so grateful that big wave surfing came to the village. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean it's given it a new economy. I guess. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I mean, I talking to people here, you know, like before surfing, like there was nobody, they would have their people come in for the summertime, but after the winter, when the winter started, just nobody would come to the, for the the lighthouse or anything like that. But now, you know, we're getting like year round people, which is great. So they love the surfing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's been great. Well, it's it's a great amphitheater, isn't it, to stand up in the top there at the fort and look down. Oh yeah, I mean, there's nothing like it. I mean, uh, even me, and you know, I just you look down and you can see all these giant waves breaking, like literally right underneath you. There's no other place in the world like it. Um, no, because I mean, where else are you going to be able to stand, feel the spray of the waves? And watch these surfers go down huge 50, 60, 70 foot mountains. And, um, you know, they're literally passing you as they're going down the wave. Uh, that's just like pretty incredible. And having, you know, it's, it's a hundred meters up so you can see everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Watching, watching the gladiators, like the modern day gladiators below. It's amazing. Yeah. It's an amphitheater for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. um, so for, for the people who don't know, let's talk a little bit about the wave because there's this, there's this incredible, um, freak of nature, this Canyon. Yeah. Um, talk to me about that. The yeah, crazy so, wave. so I think it's the second largest, deepest Canyon in the world. I think it's 5,000 meters, something like that. And so, you know, it's crazy. And it's literally right off the coast of here. Like where we surf, that we surf right in front of the the lighthouse. Just right off of that, it, it's, it drops a thousand meters. Um, so it's it's incredible how like deep it is. And that, with that said, you know that kind of funnels in all the energy of the swell and just hits that shelf. And just that's why you see waves that on a on a regular beach break around here would be you know head high, double overhead. Whereas you know, if it's double overhead somewhere else, then it's probably 50 foot here. So um, it just magnifies that, that swell into just huge waves. And so that's, it's amazing. Plus um, a lot of the times the biggest swells here actually combine. So you'll have two different swell directions combining with each other. And that creates, you know, when you see like a 70, 80 foot wave or even hundred foot wave, um, that's what happens. So it, it just, kind of builds on itself yeah so i guess it is the biggest rideable wave in the world yeah yeah for sure i don't think there's anything bigger than this i mean people are always like oh where's the next big wave or whatever and you know all you have to do is look at the bathymetry of the of the ocean and you can tell like okay this is the second largest shelf in the world um Mm -hmm. This is probably it's not going, going to create the biggest not, wave in the world. Not, not on the coastline, anyway. Unless you go 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 out somewhere to 
a reef or somewhere. But, sure. Um, you know, but yeah. Um, okay, let's uh, let's talk about the, the surfing and the surfers. Do you, who do you normally surf with? Do you have your own team? Uh, do you rotate with people, or how does it work? Yeah, I have a. I actually have a couple. A lot of people I surf with um, because not everybody can make it. Um, I've situated my life to where I can surf on any swell and like I'm, I'm looking at it constantly. So I, you know, bought a house that overlooks, you know, first, second and third peak. And so we can see everything. Yeah. 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 I'm like, because I'm, I'm a visual person. So if I see it going off, I'm going to be more excited to get out there. Um, Whereas I have a lot of friends that, you know, live, you know, a couple hours South of here and they can, they can make it sometimes, not all the time. Um, so with that said, I have to, you know, have join up with a lot of different people. So I, for instance, you know, Glenn Evans, uh, he's from Wales. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I tell with him, uh, Nuno Santos, he's actually the only local surfer here. The only guy that grew up here that actually surfs here. Um, and, uh, Santos. Nuno Santos, he's the one that plays the violin. Hey. That's right. I was watching. I don't know what is this guy doing. Yeah. <laughs> and then just before I spoke to you, I I I've YouTubed a, a video of him. And he was talking about playing the violin at all different places around the world and everything. And I thought, well, you're a nice guy. And I mean, yeah, yeah. So he's a local guy then who's been there. Yeah, yeah. He's the, actually the only local guy that surfs here, which is kind of cool. Oh, um, yeah. a lot of other people are. I mean, Hugo. He he's from the Azores, so he's from uh, Portugal. Um, you know, uh, let's see. I also tell with um, uh, this guy, Alessandro Marciano. He's an Italian guy. And then Andre Carr, which is um, the Russian we, guy. We did the, the Russian guy uh, that I was in the movie with. Um, yeah, yeah just, just several people. So, yeah. So who, whoever's available. Right. Yeah. And, and when you paddle out, paddle out the back, are there always a few people who are always there? Or does it change a lot? Uh, like, yeah, I mean, you have like Fred and Justine. They're they're a big wave couple here, and they're pretty much the one of the most consistent people, other than like Sebastian and Maya. Right. They are definitely the most consistent people, um, hence why they are some of the best. And um, you've no, you can notice that you know the people that aren't the most consistent here are not the best. So you really have to be surfing here a lot all the time to really stay sharp. This is just the way, how the wave the wave is here. You can you'll never be able to master it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I guess so. And um, you, you know, you hear about a lot of places where there's a uh, um, a lot of rivalry and stuff. Is it? Is it? Uh, and you also hear about the big wave community always saying that oh, we're different from the short borders. We're a brotherhood. We look after. And I think that's true, looking from the outside. But is is it dog eat dog out there, or is it uh, a bit more laid back? And uh, hey, you go, and I'll watch out for you, and you watch out for me. Or is it um, dog eat dog? It can be dog eat dog out here. I mean, everybody is in for their best interest out here, pretty much. I mean, they they might say they're not, but they're lying. Um, <laughs> so like, you know, but you, you I mean, only need one photo, don't we, you? You, we, you only need one photo and you're made for life. You know? Yeah. I, I've, I've noticed that when it's contest time, you know, like for instance, there was a Gigantes of Nazare, um, contest here, but it was open for everybody. It was kind of like a free surf and there was seriously doggy dog. You can see like the true colors came out in people and, uh, yeah, it was kind of like, all right, well, 
these are the guys that, you know, just will just, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, you're, they're going to go. And um, yeah, I think that's uh, pretty much the attitude everywhere you, you i would think um I guess so. yeah. as far as like so now you're are you asking like a the difference between paddle yeah. surfing and and toe surfing like attitudes no uh or no not really that's i hadn't thought that's another question okay um, I, I guess yeah yeah no um i guess with regard to that i guess it just depends what the waves demand on any particular day yeah whether you paddle it or um, I mean, we had uh, Joe, Joe De Macedo on here. Yeah, yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, yeah, lovely guy. I tell with him occasionally too. Uh, okay, yeah, I mean, a really nice guy. And he was saying he really, his his goal is to try and paddle the biggest wave out there, you know, as yeah. opposed to tow. But he said sometimes you just, it's better to tow. Sometimes if you, you want to paddle, but if you can't, you tow, you know. So sure. it's a horses for courses thing, really. I guess that's, I guess you would agree with that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it all comes down to risk management, you know, I mean, um, Joao, he's like, he's definitely one of the best paddle guys in the world, like just by far. And, um, you know, my risk isn't there. Uh, for instance, like I've, I've done the paddle stuff, like paddle big wave stuff, you know, um, in 50 foot surf and whatever. But now I've gotten to the point where if I hurt myself paddling in, on a 30 to 40, 50 foot day, I would never be able to forgive myself if, you know, the next week there's a 70, 80 foot swell and I cannot surf. Cause I, I mean, I've surfed big waves my whole life. I've seen 40, 50 foot waves. Like it's, it's, it's great. It's amazing, but it's not what I'm, I'm here for anymore. Like I want, I want Nazareth as big as it gets, you know? So, um, that's what, that's my goal. You know, it depends on what people's goals are, I guess. But, you know, if I hurt myself, which you can do much easier while paddling in, then, you know, I can't surf an 80-foot day, which would be crazy. I'd rather hurt myself towing. Yeah. And you could never paddle into an 80-foot wave anyway, could you? So you'd have to be towed into it, I guess. I mean, maybe I couldn't, but maybe Joao can. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) He's a a madman, but I don't think he's going to win to risk his life for that. You know, it's just not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So you say you, you, you've been surfing big waves all your life and you've been taking heavy wipeouts all your life. And I know that actually you're writing a book at the moment. Um, not sure if you've decided on the exact title of it. It's something to do along the lines of the art of surviving a, a wipeout. Would that be correct? Yeah. Nazare. So I, I would, right. I mean, just because Nazare is so iconic in people's minds, it's worldwide. Um, it hasn't been done before, you know, um, uh, it just like, and I, f- I felt like, because I've been asked so many times, like, what is it? F- how do you survive this? Like you're crazy or whatever. So it's like, nobody's really ever written anything that, you know, can help people from the outside understand what we go through. Like, I mean, I guess they can't articulate it. So I'm like, you know what, this needs to be done. So um, that's why I'm I'm pretty much finishing it up right now, like the art of, you know, of wiping out and, you know, how the experience I have, how, what, you know, how I was able to get to the point where I'm comfortable with, you know, having a 60 foot wave on the head, you know, that may sound ridiculous, but, you know, 
if you read the book, you understand a little more. Yeah, and I'm going to because it's people like me that that uh, are really interested in this. Um, yeah. Because I ask a lot of these questions to all my guests, and and they some of them can't articulate it in words how it feels. For example, they might say to me, "Well." When you're under, you just you just got to relax. I say, but I say, how? <laughs> you know, that's easy exactly. for you to say that, right? But anyway, we'll get into that in a minute. We'll get into the de- detail of it. I hope. So I'm thinking about the best best way of doing this. I asked you before. You said you don't have chapters to the book. So I was thinking maybe, and then if you have a better idea, come in. Um, we could go through it. Um, like you take off on the wave. Um, you're dropping down. And I guess that you're either you're either going to bail or you're going to wipe out. And from that point, that's the first, that's probably the first sequence of it. Would would, would that be right? Where, um, maybe we could sequentially talk about what happens on a big wipeout or yeah, just on a big, big wipeout. wipeout on a big. Wipeout. Oh, okay, okay. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think like my worst wipeouts were actually when I'd kick out of a wave, and then my partner can't get me right away. So I'm faced with the next wave literally steamrolling over my face. Um, so, th- so this is the video I saw with the how many waves you get on the head? Six or seven? Or- I think five or six. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then um, yeah. so, you know, I'll, I'll go through that if you'd like. Yeah, let's I mean, go I- through that one then. Because probably every, a lot of people have seen that. And if they haven't, just go to YouTube and Google your name and it'll come up. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it was a really big day. Um, the, the, actually, the drone footage didn't do justice of how actually big it was. I have the, the actual pictures on my Instagram. I think it's like three pictures uh, prior to what, it, what, what you see now. Um, and um, I, I made it pretty much to the end of the wave and I kicked out um, with or I, I got kicked off my board by the very little last bit of the wave. So I took my surfboard in and, um, my partner, um, couldn't grab me far enough cause I don't think he was following me well enough. And, um, it, uh, you know, so I see him like coming towards me and I'm like, Oh sweet. I'm going to get picked up before the next wave hits me. And then he's like, he doesn't. He he he's like the yeah. He goes away, doesn't he? Yeah, I'm like, oh, okay. Well, you think, I'm out of here. Yeah. So at, at that point, I'm like, all right. Well, I got to deal with this. It's fine. Uh, first of all, I have a giant vest. I have a vest underneath my wetsuit to keep me afloat. I'm trained. You know, um, it's a big day, but I know that in my head that each wave that hits me, it's going to push me further and further in. So the literally the only scary part of of this part was the actual first impact. So when it when it hits, when it hits you the first time it hits you, that is that's the scariest part because you, it could break your bones. Like um I've like almost broke my leg out there um with the wave just hitting me. Um, and so he broke his back out there. Didn't Cotty broke his back with the impact of yeah. the wave. Um, and you know, a lot of people actually really get hurt. They like, um, injure their knees and stuff because what you need to do is you need to, to, um, clinch up into a little ball just for a second, just until the wave initially hits you when that, that first impact so that all your limbs are in and they're protected. 
And then you let go. Then you let it fling you around. It'll throw you underwater. But in your mind, you have to realize that, hey, I got, I not only have a world-class driver looking after me out there, I also have two vests on that are going to bring me up. This isn't going to last forever. Um, if I happen to have a two-wave hold down, that's okay as well because I'm not going to panic. I'm going to try to calm down and um, I'm going to save my breath. And what I do underwater is I, I kind of, um, I count. So I, I count like to like see how many seconds I'm underwater because that gives me a better idea of whether or not I need to get to the surface or just stay down there because the next wave is going to roll over me. So for instance, if there's a 20 second period swell, I have at least 20 seconds probably to come up before the next wave hits me. So I'm at like 15 and I'm closer to the surface. I can kind of like, all right, I'm going to make it fine. If I'm down for 20 seconds, you know, let the, let the vest take you up and don't breathe right away because you don't know where the next wave is. The, if you breathe the second you come up without looking, that means you could breathe in the next wave. You know what I mean? So if it hits you the exact same time that you try to breathe, you're going to have water in your lungs. So just, it's like, calm down, don't breathe for one second and then take it that way. Whereas um, before, um, when I used to paddle surf, this is before vests or anything like that. We did that with just a wetsuit on. Like when I caught that 56 foot wave, um, I, I didn't make that entire wave. I had a bunch of waves on the head with no vests that pushed me down almost to the bottom of the ocean. And, um, you know, that's kind of, that's scary. (laughs) That's when people die, you know? Um, that's why you have so many people that used to die. And that's why like Aaron gold, if you know that guy, he, he almost drowned in cloud breaks simply because he didn't have a vest on. I mean, it, I know it's a pride thing or whatever, but to, to not wear, it used to be a pride thing or whatever, not to wear a vest, but it's just, it's simply stupidity. Like once we, once you find out, you know, you have something to protect yourself, you can go back to your family. It's a stupid not wearing a vest, you know? So yeah. yeah. Pride thing's gone now, I think, hasn't it? It's just become part of, part of the sport. I think so. I think there's, yeah, I think for the most part, yeah, which is good. So you, on, on, on that wave we're talking about, you, the, as you finish the wave, you get flipped off. Did you pull your cord then? Okay. So I, that's the thing I don't wear when it's, <clears throat> when it's, that big. I don't wear a, a, uh, inflation vest. I have an actual flotation device. <clears throat> and the reason be is because if my flotation vest does not work, if I pull the cord and it does not work, I mean, gosh, like what do you do trouble. then? Yeah. And plus the flotation, the, um, the pool vest, the, uh, the ones that have take air in them, don't actually have handles on the back, whereas my vest has a handle in the back. So just in case I I pass out or whatever, face down, my partner can pick me up from the back and drag me to the beach easily. Whereas, I mean, how are you going to drag somebody, you know, off the beach with nothing to grab onto, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's a safety precaution. So it's like a, like a life jacket and it's a built in buoyancy um, vest that you wear with a buoyancy uh, aid at the back of the and the front as well or not? Uh, because you get your chest, you pat. No, you're not paddling, are you? Because you get. Yeah, I'm not, not paddling. So no. I'm, I'm towing so in. You, so it's a really yeah. big piece of 
on the uh, chest and on the back. Yeah, on the chest and the back. And then I also underneath my wetsuit, I have an impact vest. So just in case that gets ripped off me, I at least have something underneath my wetsuit so it'll protect me. You know what I mean? Right. So I have, yeah. I always have something floaty on me. Right. Okay. Unless it rips my wetsuit off, and then I've got better, bigger problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So okay, so you 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 go down that first time, um, yeah, first and then you time. came up, and then the, your your pilot couldn't get you. So you you the the next wave is coming. So my question sure. is, the next wave is coming. You can see it. So what process are you going through to prepare yourself to go under again? Um, so what I do is I just I I look at the wave. I make sure that I know exactly where the wave is. So before it hits me. I'm able to, I, what I do is to calm down is I close my eyes right beforehand. I clear my nose. So it, um, it, it uh, clears my ears um, just in case I get pushed down really far. I also grab my vest on the top of my vest so that I can hold it on me and curl up in a ball just for a second for that wave to initially hit me. And then I completely relax. I just, I literally let it just do whatever it does to me like I'm sitting in a chair right now. This is how I am. And I wait for it to bring me to the top because I'm going to come to the top and it's going to push me in. So I know that when I come up the next time I'm further in and there's less room to the beach, you know? So, because if you look at even a hundred foot wave out here, when it comes like once every five years or whatever, that 100-foot wave will break, and then once it gets to the beach, it just disappears. So it's going to eventually disappear. Yes, yeah. That's in my mind. Okay, and and so just before you go under, do you do like a, a dump breath or something, and then like breathe everything out, then breathe in? Or do you have a little a way of breathing before you you're t- to take your last breath? I don't breathe all the way in. Right. So I, I, I think I breathe about 90% like a gut breathe. So in other words, I, I'm not breathing through my chest area or my throat area. I'm breathing through my, my gut area if I can. Um, and that's, I just, I do about a 90% breath there and then that's all I need. Um, then I can just take it that way. So that seems to give me the most air that I've noticed, but I really don't practice this outside the water. I just know what works inside the water. You've been doing it for so long, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess so. Um, but yeah, that's interesting because, uh, um, uh, yeah, you, so you're taking in. You, for those that don't know, the st- the stomach breath is really important as opposed to a chest breath, isn't it? Uh, yeah, when- you get way more oxygen that way because you can fill up your your lungs, and I mean, it, it's just. You, when you're chest breathing, you're not breathing, you're not getting as much oxygen as when you chest breathe or uh, when you stomach breathe. So pretty much when you're hyperventilating, you're chest breathing, you know what I mean? So breathing, you're, you're chest breathing when, you know, you're stressed, you know, so a stomach breath, it really like, it's, it's crazy how much energy it actually give you when you're breathing that way, um, as opposed to just a chest breath um so yes. yeah yeah and um and in between waves again so you'll go down again and you'll come up again in between waves are you doing any any nose breathing because as we know nose breathing 
enables you to calm down, doesn't it? It, it, as opposed to the mouth breathing. Um, do you nose breathe at all to sort of calm yourself or, or do you have another way of doing that? I mean, I, I come up and I try to breathe just normally, you know, yeah. just, I, I don't really, I mean, I'm not one of these guys that practice, you know, free diving all the time. Um, it's just like, I, and I don't think you really need to do this. I, I, I really don't. I think if, if you're calm in the head and you're out of breath, you're going to want to, you know, get a couple breaths, but you know, use your s- simple like stomach breaths, and then that'll calm you down as much as possible. But as far as like uh, nose breathing, um, I no, I don't think I do that. Don't do it. No, <laughs> no. Okay. yeah, um, it's interesting because I think everybody's different, you know. But um, it's interesting to start to get into your technique to exactly how you do it because not many people talk about this in this amount of depth. They just say, "Oh, I take a breath and I go under and I hold my," you know, so. So you'd say you take in about 90%. Is there a reason? Is it, if, is it you don't want to have completely full lungs because you feel uncomfortable? Or Yeah, that's exactly yeah. it. Yeah, and then um, when I'm underwater, I'll breathe out a little bit just right. to you know get rid of a little bit of CO2. Um, and, yeah, I mean, some people, like some people that I know, I think Joao actually breathe like uh, – like, you know, does breathing exercises like a couple hours before he goes surfing yeah. um, just to open up his lungs and stuff. Whereas I don't do that. <laughs> right. But yeah. I mean, but I mean, he's doing different stuff than I am, you know, he's paddling in to way bigger waves than I'm surfing or uh, that I'm paddling in. So, you know, mm. it helps him. Yeah. Whatever helps him, whatever helps you. But I, I, I think to, to be honest, I, I don't think if he didn't do that, I think he'd still be fine because <laughs> yeah. it's his mindset. Like that's just how his, his, how his mind works. Like I said, I've seen people smoking before they're going out surfing and you know, they're, they, they can handle a crazy wipeout. Yeah. So it's all your mind. Yeah, I, I exactly. Yeah. And I believe this because I, I, I see the same people be, you know, with beer bellies and even the Hawaiians and things are big guys, you know, and they're surfing big waves and yeah. getting hold downs and they're fine. So I'm thinking, geez, that guy does not look in condition. No. You know? how, how can he do that? Because exactly. it's all—it's a mindset. It's all in the head. They have the ability to relax underwater. So let's go a little bit there then. So I mean, how how when you're under there and um, you're under the water, how you you go to your happy place? Some people say um, you you count, yeah. I count. Uh, you you I, count. I, you know, to, uh, okay. So in February this year, I had probably the worst wipeout of my life out here. And the only reason it was so bad was because the wave hit me in the back of my head and almost knocked me out. So I didn't do the same. I didn't count underwater this time. I was more concerned because when, when the wave hit me, it was a huge day. It was like, when, it was the biggest day last year. Um, uh, only I don't really think any locals were surfing or any regulars were surfing that day. It was Kai Lenny and a couple of their Hawaiian guys that were surfing way out the back. Um, so I got, I got towed in by this guy, Andre Carr, and um, I didn't make my whole wave. It caught up to me. It smashed me on the back of my head, and it hit me so hard that my ears started ringing. My whole – everything just slowed down, and I'm, I thought I was, like, going to pass out. So what I did underwater, 
was to start pinching my wrist. I wasn't out of air. It's just, I, it just felt so weird just having everything slow down. I was super calm, pinching my wrist like, hey, am I going to pass out? Am I going to pass out? And then I came up, I was out of it, you know, just, I was just, just because it hit me so hard. It wasn't out of, I wasn't like out of breath. I was just out of it. Um, and it, I could, you could see it in my face. It looked like I was like, had the face of death. And this other guy came and tried to pick me up um, from that wave. And um, I realized that the wave was going to catch up to both of us. So I had to let go of the sled because I didn't want to drag him. And then he got annihilated, thrown off the ski. And then I got picked up and went to the beach. And I actually didn't remember how I got to the beach. <laughs> That's yeah, a concussion. Well, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I didn't yeah, count then. Yeah. But I walked yeah. off the beach yeah. with no help, which is, you know, I think it all has to do with your mindset. If I, if I had panicked, definitely would have died. <laughs> yes. Um, absolutely. And that, that, that's the $64,000 question that people, you say you go underwater and you stay calm. Now, how, how, how do you stay calm? Do you, you talked about counting. Are there any other techniques that you can give us like in order sure. to stay calm? Sure. Like, um, I've noticed that I, I think I've, I've been underwater so much that I just, I realized that I, I close my eyes and then once I'm past the initial hit, which is scariest part. That's really scary. Um, once I'm I'm safe, then I'm doing twirls underwater. What I'm doing is um, it's kind of like you know when you lay down on a, on a bed and you you're like okay relax so much you're just letting go of everything and you're going to try to go to sleep. That's what I actually try to do. So that's you can if you can bring yourself to the mindset of like okay I'm going to go to sleep underwater this is fine you're relaxing that's a relaxing thing obviously you're not going to go to sleep because <laughs> the waves like you know um but you know that that's the kind of relaxing uh feeling that you're going to want to try to get to um once you're underwater and that I can't tell you how much like energy that saves you Right. Um, it, it's amazing. Like that's how I was able to dance after my fifth wave on the head on that yes, six yeah. wave. That's what I did. I mean, I was like, I had so much energy. I ran up the beach where, right when I got there and wanted to get another wave. I, yeah, I, saw, it, I saw the video. I was thinking, cause you, your arms were going up and down. And yeah. Just dance. I was going to do a YMCA dance or whatever, just cause you know, everybody takes it so seriously here in Nazare. Like they're so, Oh my gosh, I almost died. I almost died. But I'm like, you know what? Let's get this. A lot of the guys and girls after four, after the fourth or fifth wave in the head, they are nearly dead. Aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. But I mean, like, I don't know. I just felt like I was so happy, you know, like it yeah. was, it's great because sometimes wipe out is great. Sometimes it's horrific. Like that other one that I told you about. Yeah. Um, but this one was great. I, I actually really enjoyed it. I didn't actually didn't want the guy the Brazilian guy to pick me up. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm fine. If you, if you watch the video, I'm like tapping my head, like, Oh, I'm good, man. Um, yeah. But you know, like I grabbed it anyways, cause he took the time to try to get me Ian Cazenza. And so that was really yeah, nice yeah. of him. But um, yeah, that's kind of how but it that's is. What, what's one of the things, isn't it? Like if you, you have a routine, um, a way of doing things. And when, for example, when you get like um, smacked with a baseball bat around the back of the head by the lip, that throws your routine off. Now, the really good guys have the ability to adapt to a change, like an injury 
or mm-hmm. a smack on the head and still maintain their focus and routine, even though it's been broken by something quite violent. Yeah. Yeah. Because that does yeah. throw you off. It throws you off completely, doesn't it, sometimes? And it can send you into minor panic and then you start to use more oxygen. So it's it's really important to, to be able to adapt, yeah? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, especially after I got hit on the back of the head, like all I wanted to do at that point, I was so out of it. Um, I was tired, just not out of breath. I just wanted to take, I just wanted to go to the beach and not have to grab onto a ski. Um, I, I, I'm, I guess I'm weird like that. <laughs> Even Glenn Ovens, I remember him many times. You know, I had a two-wave hold down before that and he was like looking for me my, my, he's on the radio um, my wife is on the radio like hey where 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 is uh where's toby and you know they're trying to find me i'm sitting on the bottom my board's already up and i got up and i was just kind of gone you know just like tired and i just wanted to take waves on the head all the way and i didn't want to have to grab onto a sled or anything like that and um yeah that, that's kind of weird i don't know why i do that that's just i think that's just part of my mentality or, or something where I just, I just want to relax. Just, I, I want to continue in that relaxing stage. It's really hard for me to get out of that relaxing stage once I'm in it. Um, mm. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a weird feeling. Even yeah, it's if it's going to help you. Mm, it's fascinating hearing it in detail because it's difficult for most of us to, to understand because we've never been in that situation. You can't, you can't imagine it. Do, do you, um, do you meditate at all? I mean, I pray. <laughs> right, that's a form of meditation, yeah. I guess, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, yeah I'm praying for sure. Um, but I mean, it's yeah, I, yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> okay, all right. Let me move it on to. Um, have you ever been in a point where you think I just don't have any oxygen left? Um, what you know, I need to. I, I can't open my mouth. I know, but you just reflex-wise, you need to open your mouth because you've got nothing left. Ever been in that situation? Yeah, um, when I didn't have a wet, uh, um, an inflation vest at Todos Santos, I had the worst wipeout of my life there. Uh, like, like all together, you know. The, yes. the, on in February, that was the worst thing that's happened to me in in Nazareth. But the worst thing that's ever happened to me was at Todos Santos. I think it was ten Valentine's days ago. <laughs> mm. I um. I remember going out there and it wasn't supposed to be that big. And I just paddled out on my nine foot two gun, which is pretty small. Um, nowadays, everybody's running like 11 foot boards or whatever. But yeah, back then it wasn't necessarily a thing to ride that big of a board. So I kind of did that. And then, you know, I paddled out and um, a lot of my friends were sitting really far out to sea. I was sitting inside a bit. And then all of a sudden I see my friends paddling out to sea and I'm thinking, Oh geez, maybe I better get to the channel or something. Maybe there's a huge wave. So I paddle, I can't, I couldn't see what was over the swell in front of me. So I get over that swell and my heart just dropped. I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's the biggest wave I've ever seen. It must've been probably 60 foot or something. And um, just a freak set, you know, (laughs) you're talking 40 foot day and then a 60 foot random (laughs) wave comes um and so i start paddling out to sea to try to get over it i'm thinking i have to get over this wave i have to get over this wave and i guess that was the one time where i kind of hyperventilated like a little bit like because i was so scared but then i realized oh my gosh the wave is going to crash on me i need to calm down now 
So I like, I just stopped paddling and I just, I just uh, relaxed next to my board and um, got a couple of breaths and put my head down and closed my eyes. And it took me really far down and it slammed me on the bottom. Uh, I mean, it didn't slam me on the, it pretty much placed me on a rock, on, on a boulder. So down there, there's boulders that smash up against each other. And I right. could feel myself getting um, kind of like slipping a little bit down the, in between the side of one. I didn't know yeah. if it was in between it or whatever. All I knew is I was slipping down the side of a rock, which you can hear the boulders bashing up against each other. You can only imagine. So um, at that point, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I got to get up. So I'm. <laughs> finally the the water came together and I was able to start swimming up again because before there was so much air in the water, I couldn't swim up through it. Um, that's what happens when you have so much whitewash down there. Um, uh, right before I was about to get up, it just turned dark. And then I knew the next wave was hitting me. And then it just threw me like literally straight back down there. But this time it wasn't as bad because like I what happens with waves, it pushes you in a little bit. So it pushed me in a little bit. It wasn't as bad. I was paddling. I was kicking up, kicking up, kicking up. And like the last bit I couldn't like get to because there was so much air on top of the water. I couldn't put my head above it. Well, the foam, like the the, the air in the no, foam. No, I think it was, yeah, the air in the foam. Yeah. And um, I finally got to see like before I took a breath, and the whitewash was literally like a couple meters away from my head. And, and I had, I, I got a half a breath. I didn't, I, I needed to get something in me cause I was felt like I was like going to die. Yeah. <laughs> and then it pushed me down again. And then I came up and then um, I was really out of it, but like I didn't have a board, but my friend next to me had a board and his eyes were flickering in the back of his head. Uh, he was like, like, almost unconscious. So I had to grab onto him. Um, I placed his board. I grabbed onto him with the board, bear hugged the board and, and rode the next whitewash in as fast, as far as I could. Um, and then drug ended up had a, having to drag him up on the Island. Um, he got a severe concussion. Everybody thought he died. Uh, nobody know where I was about 45 minutes later, people started visiting us on the, on the Island and we all paddle out together. And that was pretty much, uh, that was, that was pretty much close to panicking. Like I was really panicked at that point. I, I can admit that I was, I was really scared. That, that yeah. kind of took me by, by surprise, you know? Mm. Wow. Yeah. That's a scary story. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, talking about, I was really scared and fear. I mean, when you when you're out there in Naz, wherever you are, Nazare, uh, on a fifty-six foot day, fifty or sixty foot day, are you scared? Sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like it, yeah. uh, nobody's not scared on right. a sixty foot day mm. here. Like they can say, "Oh, I'm really cool" or whatever, but nah, they're all scared, you know. But it's all about managing your fear. Um, right. You have some guys like Luke, Lucas Chumbo, which you know he has way less fear than a lot of different people who pull in the barrel. But yeah, he's, he gets scared for sure. Um, we're all human, you know, I mean, we all have our limits and stuff and um, yeah, d- depends on especially how big, like what's happening with that day, whether it's like um, extreme, like North wind or whatever that makes the wave choppier. So that makes it harder to ride, which means the, the wipeout uh, probability is way higher. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So, and and is it? Uh, I guess a lot of that just comes down to experience over many years of uh, you know of learning to manage the fear. I guess is it from experience? Yeah. 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 For sure. I mean, it's kind of like a race car driver. You know, you get into a race car for the first time. And you hop into like a Porsche or whatever, and you're driving around the track and you're going 250 kilometers an hour, you're going to be really scared. But to the race car driver, I mean, he's already acclimated his mind to that. So yeah. he's used to that. Whereas like, like Alex Honnold, the guy that client free climbs, you know, El Capitan, <laughs> you know, like to the average person, he's, he's nuts. But yeah. to him, it's kind of like, okay, I've got this. That's a hundred percent. I'm fine. But he's still scared. He even admits that he's still scared. So people that do these extreme sports are still scared, you know, mm. but they're just able to harness their fear. And if you can do that, you're, you're light years ahead of anybody else. Yeah, for sure. And I guess it, having that a certain amount of fear is what keeps you alive, isn't it? Because if you didn't, you just do rec- something reckless and drown yeah you know for so, sure i yeah, mean if you didn't yeah. have any fear you jump out of a you know airplane without a parachute and try to flap your flap your your hand, your arms you know you're just gonna die but you know there's a reason why your fear you, you want that parachute <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely okay let, let me ask you this might like seem like a strange question but sure uh, would you consider yourself a pro surfer no right. definitely not <laughs> no 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 like for instance like I've made made it my goal to not be a professional surfer because um, mm. I realize how much stress and misery pro comes with pro surfing. I mean, these guys are constantly chasing paychecks. Um, they're they're constantly trying to stay relevant on social media just to get that sponsor. They're trying to get that that picture, and you know, it's just it's just not for me. You know, like that's just it creates so much unnecessary stress and anxiety for people, even the best guys here, you know, I mean, they're constantly dealing with different sponsors and stuff. It's just, it's just, uh, to me, it's a waste of time. To me, it's not fruitful. Um, You know, I've made it my goal to be financially independent without having to rely on or essentially becoming somebody else's bitch. You know, I, I hate saying that, but that's kind of what, being as having a sponsor is, you know, I mean, I'm not reliant on trying to chase somebody's paycheck. I get paid, you know, whenever I want, because, you know, with my wife and I's business and um, I can now just relax and go ahead and surf. And it's so much more joyful out there and, and more fun than ever before. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not staring at Instagram nine hours a day. Right. Yeah. No, no. I mean, may, may I ask what you and your wife do to, uh, you have your own business. Yeah. 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 So, um, my wife is a YouTuber. She's the largest or the biggest female crypto, um, influencer in the world right now. So yeah, yeah, she's, she's got like fifties, 59, 58,000 people, you know, on, on YouTube. And then, you know, she just goes on Twitter and stuff. And she also runs a course as well that that she holds once a week or uh, sorry, once a month um, to her Patreon subscribers and um, about teaching people how to invest in crypto, cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and, and stuff. And we're also early investors. So that kind of helped with, you know, getting the house and and just becoming more financially independent, not having to rely on a tradi- traditional 
means of income. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think not. I, I love to hear this because I think I think you're obviously smart people and you're doing it the right way, in my opinion. Because yeah, you, 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 especially now that the the bottom has fallen out of uh, the surf industry and sure. and and COVID has hit and it's yeah. probably going to be hitting for a lot longer. But it doesn't affect you. You know, you you you've built a business. You you live on top of Nazare, so you got the best of everything. Um, so I really think that's a smart move, and and a lot more surfers should be doing that. I think, to be honest, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've always encouraged surfers to, you know, I mean, at least the people that I am you know, have a relationship with to always, you know, not rely on surfing because I mean, what if you're constantly relying on surfing as a means of income? And I mean, literally surfing is a $10 billion industry. That's so tiny compared to the rest of the world. And so like, it's going to be affected hugely. It's a, it's a luxury sport as well. So if you have a, a downturn in an economy, you know, the, the um, spare money that people have just isn't there, you know, so they're not going to be able to spend it on luxury goods. Um, and so with that said, um, and a lot of surfing businesses are indebted hugely indebted, you know, like hundreds of, uh, like hundreds of millions of dollars in debt, you know? So if you have that much debt overhanging your company and you have nobody buying your product, you know, you're going to suffer and sponsors are going to be like, ah, sorry, we can't, we can't have you. You know what I mean? Well, I think, you know, so many of the the, the CT short borders have lost their contracts in the, in the past 12 months. Um, Uh, yeah. And I mean, where it goes in the future, I, I don't know. Even for short borders, it's going to be tough. For long borders, it's going to be almost, in, uh, not long borders, a uh, big wave surface. It's going to be almost impossible, I guess, you know, to, to, forge a, to forge a career out of being a big wave surfer. I, I don't know if there's, a, if there's a roadmap for doing it. Uh, it'd be interesting. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. And uh, I mean, it, it, it's hard because a lot of my, my partners, you know, they actually have lost their jobs and uh, I've been begging them, (laughs) half of them to get invested in crypto, you know, do your own thing. And, um, some had listened, some haven't. And, you know, they're, you know, that's, that's just what happens. So, yeah. yeah, Um, uh, so, uh, I saw you in the movie magnetic, uh, magnetic, yeah. A few weeks ago, uh, Talk to me a little bit about that. How did you get involved in that project? Um, it looked it look, it's a, looked like a pretty pretty. It was a very good movie. I watched it. Yeah. So how did you get involved in that? Yeah, um, I met Terry Donard and his wife. Uh, they're the ones that pretty much uh, produced the movie. And um, yeah, that uh, Andre had actually introduced me to them. Um, so we went down to the harbor. We filmed pretty much the interview. Um, they took some clips from different waves that I've caught in previously where Andre and I had been surfing together. So it's pretty much a story about Andre and I, and then a couple of the other surfers would, would, would give a little talk as well. But um, yeah. And I didn't really know how big it was going to be obviously, but Andre, you know, he's like, Hey, this guy is just makes the most beautiful films ever. And I think it's a great opportunity. And, um, <clears throat> and I'm, I feel blessed as heck because like, a lot of the, some of the pro surfers were contacted by Terry Donard, but because I don't know, 
sponsor reasons or whatever, they, they kind of snuffed them off, (laughs) (laughs) which was great for me, you know, like, Oh, sweet. And, um, it's been a great relationship. You know, we, uh, he took, we we went all around Europe and we got to, to show the movie. And then uh, he's like, eventually it's going to be on Netflix. And then I'm like, okay, whatever. Cool. Yeah, if it, yeah. it if, if it is it it isn't if it isn't it isn't so um I realized like like three months ago it was going to be on or four months ago it's going to be on Netflix and perfect timing because of everybody is on a lockdown and <clears throat> everybody's watching Netflix you know so mm-hmm. it was actually number four or five in the world uh, <laughs> for movies and it's great I just having people from my childhood calling me up hey great good 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 to see you're you're making a movie and stuff so uh, it was really fun it was a, yeah it must great. have raised your profile quite considerably i guess yeah yeah well nazarene's never been on netflix before so it's right. finally got it on netflix and it, which is ironic because i'm not a pro surfer you know mm. <laughs> all these guys that are trying to get on on a on you know to build their profile as much as they can trying so hard and and it's just like it's it's almost like I cheated. So, yeah. Yeah. anyways, well, feels it's, great. You know, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, great movie. Good job. Um, I normally finish finish the interview uh, with some uh, what I I call success secret questions. May I ask you a uh, shoot a few questions at you? Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. Uh, <laughs> or uh, um, all right. Let's do this one. Is there one decision that you have made that has fundamentally changed the way things have turned out for you successfully? One decision. Um, I or think one it's or, just, one or two or a <clears throat> Wow, that's a that's a pretty good question. <laughs> no, but not being um, a pro surfer must be one. <laughs> Going into crypto, sure. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah, but I mean, I, I think um, there's many different things. I, like throughout my life, I'd meet different people that would teach me different things. So I learned about health through one of my roommates, and so I became like a health fanatic you know i learned all about like like why i was getting i used to get sick all the time and stuff and now and i haven't been sick in ages um so i changed my diet completely organic um yeah pretty much kind of like a keto organic diet or whatever um that helped me greatly through you know with um my training and stuff for surfing uh financial wise i um i i had you know, decided, Hey, I, I see all these sponsored surfers. Uh, I don't want to go that route because it seems like they, they, you know, they're always struggling for, to get capital. And, um, I'm like, okay, there has to be a different route. So I met some people that are great with finances. So I made those decisions. Great. That changed my life forever. And, um, yeah. And then, you know, picking the right partner as well. You know, um, if I got somebody like I have a lot of, I had a lot of friends back in the States where they, um, you know, they're like begging their wives to, to go, to let them go surfing where I'm like, I would never want that. You know, like that's my, that's my passion. You know, I want to go surfing when I want to go surfing. And then, you know, Heidi, she, she just, she lets that happen. <laughs> you know, like she helps She's actually our radio person. Yeah. I was going to say she spots and does a radio. Yeah. She spots yeah. and does our radio. So she's like saved our lives out there, which is amazing and saved other people's lives. And so all these decisions together, you know, I, I would say those three decisions were amazing. Yeah. Okay. Great answer. Good. Thank you. And the, and the next one, uh, 
Do you have a morning or daily habitual routine or, or ritual that allows you to deliver, to deliver high performance throughout the working day? Um, yeah, I pretty much, um, like as a Christian, I, I read the Bible in the morning and then I eat breakfast and then I go surfing. Like that's pretty much it, you know? So I'm like, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm out. Let's go, let's go surfing. That's, I have a, a breakfast that consists of like 15 different superfoods that I mix it all together. Gives me energy for the, for the, um, for the day. And it's amazing. Yeah. Okay, and I heard you 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 do interval fasting as well. I saw yeah, yeah. oh yeah, so, your yep. interviews. Yeah, I saw you said from two o'clock till the next morning yeah. you you don't eat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I um I eat breakfast around like six or seven. Um, eat lunch around or dinner pretty much around one or two, sometimes twelve, and then don't eat till the next morning. And uh, I feel amazing. I don't. I'm not hungry throughout the day. Um, yeah, it's one of the best things I've ever done. I, I, I do it myself, and you're right. You? You, okay. you, yeah, I'm not as um, mentally tough as you. I think I, I don't do it every day, but probably I might do you it. Don't, okay. Day, you know? and then, yeah. uh, but uh, when you do it, uh, you do feel wonderful. Sometimes I do 36 hours, okay. or sometimes I do the 16 hours from uh, is it 4 o'clock till 8 o'clock the next morning. So, um, But either way, I, you yeah, you don't feel hungry and you feel great, don't you? It, you feel mentally, yeah. you feel charged, and yeah, uh, yeah, you, and you feel really strong. Yeah, mm. man, it's it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's good, and, and it's really good for your your digestion system because it, it needs a break. As you know, you need to give it a break so it can re replenish its flora. So um, I, I love this stuff. So it's it's great. It's going on and on about it. Yeah, good one. Nice. So. Uh, Oh, before I moved on from your book, I actually di I didn't ask you, was there anything else? I mean, we talked a lot about, about being held down underwater and stuff. Was there anything else uh, in the book that you wanted to bring out that I didn't give you a chance to? Um, or, or did we talk um, about most of it? Jeez, uh, I, th I think we... Yeah, we probably I mean, talked there, about there, most of it, wasn't it? You know? there's a, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah. I think we've got it. <laughs> okay, all right, good. Good, yeah. well, it's you're, you're having a nice lazy Sunday with a bit of work, so I... I better let you and your wife get back to it, yeah? Yeah, that's, um, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's great talking with you. Yeah, well, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah. for, for, you know, for, the, for the, the depth of insight you're able to go into is fascinating. So, um, well, I mean, okay. I, I, I guess I could go over one thing uh, is that if you, like if somebody's looking to do something great in life, just make sure you're consistent about it, you know? I think that's consistency is one thing that's that I've held pretty much dear to my heart is, you know, if you're consistent with whatever you do, if you're passionate about it, then you're, you're probably going to be one of the best in the world at it. And if you're, if you're not, it doesn't matter because you're so passionate about it. So yeah. Yeah. Good advice. Yeah. yeah. And I would add one thing to do that. One thing to that is consistency plus perseverance. Yeah. Sure. I mean, the, the ability to persevere consistently with something for over a period of time will probably get you to success in the end. But so many people give up when, when it doesn't go there the right way, you know? So, yeah, but I, I guess that's where passion comes in. You know, if you have that passion, that's going to help you push through so many different things. But uh, for, for instance, in Nazareth, the hardest thing 
more than riding the wave, more than wiping out or anything is finding the right partner because the people that you're, you're out here with, you, you're, you're having to trust with your life. Yes. And um, if you don't trust your partner out here, that's, that can screw with your mind so much. I mean, you're not going to surf half as good as if you had a good partner. So, and those partners have to be consistent as well. So that's where you bring the human element in it. And that's, that's really difficult. I still have trouble with finding consistent people, you know, um, it's really difficult because everybody has their own lives, you know? Yeah. 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 And I've heard that said a number of times from the Nazarene, some of the Nazarene surfers I've spoken to exactly the same thing. Trust in your partner. You have to be able to trust in your partner. You have to know that he's going to be there to pick you up and he's watching out for you. So yeah. She, or she, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good. And the, and the book, um, I'll put all the links, all your links, whatever links there are, I'll put them in the uh, episode notes. Sure. And then when you've got the book titled and made up, I'll put it out. I'll put out the, I'll market it for you on the big wave surfing podcast. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah. So just send awesome. me, send me all the details and okay. uh, maybe we can get you back again one day to come on, you know, so oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. All right, yeah. Toby. Um, nice to meet you, Ian. Yeah. Thank you. I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. Fascinating. And uh, you take care of yourself in big waves. And we'll uh, catch you next time, mate. Okay. See you, Ian. Thank you. Bye-bye. From darkness comes lightness and freshness. The brightness brings dawn where I want to. Magic moments with you. My time.
precious Special people like you You need your freedom To live life to the full Okay The sun falls Baby each new day, think I'll stay at the beach where my life is complete. My time is so special. Precious, special people like you. You need.